So I'm here with a brand new All Access with a composer, Joseph Stevens. Joseph, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat today. So great to meet you. Great to meet you. Thank you. So I'd love to kind of start off by just, you know, knowing a bit about your, knowing a little bit about your origin story, kind of uh, growing up, when did music kind of enter your life and when did it kind of turn from a hobby into a career? I got involved with music probably junior high. I played trumpet. I mean, definitely junior high. I played trumpet um, in the band and then a buddy turned me on to guitar. I picked up guitar eighth grade or something like that and then took classical lessons um, for a few years and then fell in love with um, Slash and Led Zeppelin and different <laughs> rock bands and wanted to do that and dropped a lot of things in my life at that point. You know, I was playing sports and a lot of things like, um, yeah, just once I got the, the rock and roll uh, taste, the taste for the rock and roll, I, I wanted that. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted played started writing songs and um, forming bands in high school. And then that led to college, kind of the same thing. I went to a film, I took a film, uh, I went to a, it wasn't a film school, but I was a film major. Oh, cool. And, but it was always under, under the background, just playing music. And then I got connected with some guys at um, a different film school with Danny and Jody, those guys. And um, <clears throat> the music that I was doing kind of led into some of the films that they were making or projects that they were making in, in college. Um, and then, and then after college, uh, and it just kind of kept snowballing to the point where <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, so I you met being band and then started writing music for film. So, uh, you, so you met Danny and Jody in college. That's where you guys first kind of connected. We had a mutual friend that I, um, yeah, that, that connected me to a lot of guys at the school and, um, yeah, so I didn't know them super well. I knew, I knew some of, I knew some of the other, there's a whole like gaggle of guys from the school and, um, yeah, so I've known some of them closer than others, and I got to know Danny and Jody closer. Um, I got to know them better after college um, when we made Foot Fist Way and then Observer and Report and Eastbound and Down. When all these projects started really taking off, um, I got to know them a lot better than I did when I was in uh, college. I you know, knew them in college, but not as well. And uh, I, I mean, I really think that your style of, of composing really matches with their uh, sense of humor, their sense of style, the way they uh, craft their, I mean, their, their projects are so unique because I think there's such a masterful blending of tones. They can be, you know, as ridiculous and obscene as they can, but also cover some dark materials and stuff. Did you find that you gelled with that uh, creatively right from the beginning, or did you have to kind of see what their style is and kind of morph to it? No, pretty much. Yeah, we, we gelled pretty quickly. Um, yeah, we have the same kind of sense of humor and, and a lot of the same taste in music and so the evolution of some of the stuff that we've done from dating back from foot fist way up to righteous gemstones has has been uh it's been a journey they're not all the same by any stretch but yeah there's a lot of um through lines i guess mostly we just don't we treat these comedies as dramas you know and so yeah. a lot of the humor is we don't really point to the humor with music it's um it's more about what we feel like um sounds good or you know feels good uh and kind of twisting things on its side and making things maybe overly dark you know and like 
um, sometimes like pushing the dark side of, uh, of the humor, I guess, um, instead of, you know, punching jokes or making music that's overtly comedic. Would you agree that? Yeah, I, I, I agree completely that the music should probably, so do you, would you tend to stay, you stay away from the comedy and just let, because the performance kind of carries that and the, the timing of the editing and the, the way the actors work, do you just try to stay away from when you're spotting, like, this does not need music, we should not make it goofy or anything? Well, it always depends. I mean, um, I've done projects where we do, uh, where the music is more comedic, um, but for the relationship with Rough House and Danny and Jody, they tend to push against that, that kind of um, product. And so, you know, there are moments where that's what the producer or director wants. And so I've done that, you know, where I've made music that's more comedic than the righteous gemstones. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it just kind of depends on the project and who's in charge and, and what and what is being asked and what the overall kind of collective vibe is for the project. Absolutely. So uh, I, uh, when you came in to Eastbound and Down, I think you started as an additional composer for, uh, for a while and then you kind of took over the project. Was that kind of you kind of becoming there? I know you did Observe and Report as well. Uh, what was it like during that process where you kind of started at the beginning of a series and it, it ran longer than, you know, say Vice Principals was a two season show and I'm, congratulations on season three for Gemstones that just got announced. So that's exciting, but having to, and I think uh, Eastbound Down ran for a couple more seasons. Was it interesting to start from the ground floor and kind of work your way through and becoming the, the main composer of the show? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Eastbound and Down is interesting because it's, um, it, there's a lot of needle drops and there's a lot of, uh, more so than Vice Principals and The Righteous Gemstones. Um, so a lot of the score kind of had to fit into that, you know, into what they were feeling with needle drops. And so that dictated a lot of what I did. Um, and so it was, uh, but you know, it was nice because there was a lot of genre hopping. Um, so yeah. Eastbound and Down has a lot of, I mean, there's so many different genres that I would tackle from, you know, just Southern rock to, 80s synthy stuff to horror music to um, Morricone style stuff to you know drums I don't know it's just like kind of ran that ran the gambit um, we wrote some kind of fake songs every once in a while where there's you know music in there with with vocals that were supposed to be songs um, and and it was you know, it was nice to cut my teeth in that kind of environment um, because there was they would they would throw a lot at me and there was there was a lot of um, unusual requests and just, uh, you know, just hop in genres, you know, and just whatever made it the funniest um, and, the, and the coolest, you know, that's, that was kind of the vibe. They didn't really have, there were no themes really, you know, there was no like sound of a, a character per se. It was mostly uh, just a kind of a, an eclectic mix bag of music. And then, yeah, then after that, you guys did a, you know, Vice Principals, which I absolutely love and, uh, you know, I'm rewatching it actually right now between episodes of Gemstones as I'm waiting for the next one to come out. But uh, you got to really embrace kind of the the high school drumline sound and but he also did some really cool synth textures and kind of retro sounding stuff. And uh, talk about approaching specifically Vice Principals and creating the sound for that show. That was um, Danny had this idea that of, for drums. Um, the, the sort of military aspect of drums and having it be this big pounding um, sort of aggressive military style. Um, that was one aspect or profile to the score. And then the other was this 
yeah, the synthy kind of retro feeling thing, which is, I think, probably started from our love of 80s music. You know, this takes place in high school. That show takes place in high school. And, you know, uh, I wasn't in high school in the 80s, but it was, um, you know, there were, I was close enough to it. So it was, uh, so it felt, um, you know, it felt like something that was close to us and something that was fun to do because we felt like we knew it and it felt like the right, you know, element to add to it and we just kept pushing it and it made you know kind of this john carpenter kind of um i don't john carpenter meets you know brian de palma or uh, i don't know it's just this very um sort of scary score um yeah it has some dark uh, dark stuff to yeah, it's, it it's yeah, great it's kind of dark. <laughs> um but then with the drums uh, that's all danny you know he that was his idea and so we had to wrangle drummers and um record drum lines and that was interesting uh, it was fun kind of hard to tackle we kind of threw so many different kinds of drum formations into that show with small percussion lines that i would record here at my studio or and then just in a, like a whole bed of electronic percussion stuff and then a full-on high school drum line with kids singing and all that so we, we went bananas with the uh, drums and percussion it was fun I think it worked so well with the tone of the show. I know, I think I read a quote that Danny said it, you guys were trying to make like a, a John Hughes movie that from the adult's perspective instead of the kids. And, but also just ha having that unique tone of, of their voice and your voice with the music for sure. And now, you know, um, moving to Gemstones, you got to create another world. And I, the first season, the second season, I've noticed there's definitely the, the score has evolved, but starting with the first season, I did notice a lot of, you mentioned Morricone with He's Bound Down, but he kind of did a little bit of Western stuff there. There was that great kind of dark motif that kind of underlaid throughout the whole season. What was kind of the approach with Gemstones and tackling, especially the topic of, you know, televangelist and and the scope of this of that show? Well, I think, yeah, we wanted this, that to feel much different. We didn't want to rely on needle drops as, as heavily as we had on the past for other projects. We wanted it to feel more cinematic and more, um, you know, grandiose and operatic. And so, and so there are character themes and there's a lot of like piano stuff and there's a lot of um, bigger score pieces than, than we've done in the past. And um, yeah, I mean, we wanted to implement, I, I wanted to implement a lot of organs. And so um, season one has more organ than season two. Season two is, is, has evolved a bit. Um, but yeah, season one has a lot of, um, you know, church organs and I recorded a bunch of church organs and played a bunch of bass pedals and melodies on bass pedals and try to kind of rearrange or not deconstruct the, the organ, but use it in ways that are somewhat unconventional, like playing melodies on the bass pedal and um running it through a lot of effects and you know distorting it and kind of mangling the organ and then we did a lot of choirs choral stuff um here and there to kind of tie into the you know religious aspect of it um and there's a lot of vocal stuff there's a lot of like um scary vocal stuff both in season one and season two that's not you know choral it's just creepy tuban um voices or whisper like you know latin whispering and um just weird kind of eerie textures you know that, that yeah it's so tactile I love it you can like feel feel it working I don't know it's especially when you <laughs> the way that this the way that show shifts like between and that is it difficult to match that tone though because I love it you can't really put put a box in it I can't call it a comedy or drama it's just like it's just you know their voice as a style and you know I, I sometimes genres kind of piss me off a little bit because like I love Ted Lasso but 
it wins all these comedy awards. That's such a dramatic show as well. It, as a composer, is it difficult to find that tone and find the balance to make sure it is, I know you could say you stay away from the comedy a bit, but to make sure it's still engaging the audience and keeping them uh, engaged with the characters? I guess we don't, um, I don't know. I, I think that we've kind of stick to what we like first and hope that it works. You know, yeah. I don't know. I feel like, um, you know, gemstones is, is very unique because it is, it is very, it's dark. I feel like it's darker than vice principles. Um, yeah. but, but it has all these other more heartwarming family moments and all these themes that are very like tender and, and we treat everything very seriously with all the characters, despite how buffoonish they are and how absurd these situations are. Um, and the uh, so like when like crafting the music and whether or not we feel like it's going to connect with an audience, I feel like we don't really think about that as much as we just kind of do what we feel like works for us mm -hmm. and what is connect collectively working in house. And then once once it gets, you know, once everybody's happy there, we just kind of keep our fingers crossed and see what happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a um, this season, especially season two, it gets pretty heavy and it's um, there's a lot of like you know, different, different approaches that we're taking. I have like, I found this, um, recording this old, uh, reel to reel with some found recordings on it that I've implemented in the score and just mangled and warped tapes and, and, uh, ways that are musical, but definitely not conventional and definitely not, you know, uh, mainstream kind of broad comedy music. So hopefully, you know, people like it. Um, I think we all do. Um, I definitely do. So I think that we kind of start there and then kind of hope for the best. And you know, yeah, I'm 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 loving where the season's going right now. I know we're not even you know finishing yet, so no spoilers or anything. But um, yeah, it's definitely I think it's structured differently than season one. But I love you know it is going. It's getting that dark place. We're getting more of Eli's backstory. Um, was it uh, as as a, as a, for the score? Was it differently structured for you than the first one, at least narratively? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's different, we wanted, we wanted to bring back certain themes from season one th for certain characters and then abandon other themes that were not, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't apply to this season because the characters aren't in the show. And so we wanted some of those themes to feel um, the same, you know, and recognizable and identifiable and welcome, but then we also wanted them to evolve. Um, there's a lot of evolution with baby Billy's character in this season. And so his theme gets, um, you know, it gets a lot of, you know, work done. It's a lot of evolution happening. It gets like, it's very um, different and sort of the same with, with Eli's whole backstory. We wanted that to have its own sound and have this reoccurring, you know, kind of dark undertow happening with, um, with Eli's character and his past and wrestling with his past and, you know, all of, all of these things coming to the forefront with him and his family. And so we wanted the music to feel like it, fit in that time because there's a lot of um stuff in the 60s um for this season so we wanted it to feel like it fit there but then also it would fit you know in modern times when those themes needed to exist outside of the flashbacks um and then there's a there's also an interlude episode that has a different kind of feel to it um it's christmas um as well so that 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 episode is a sort of christmas episode so a lot of it is well, not a lot of it, but a lot of, a lot of the score is not, uh, I wouldn't say it's Christmas tinged, but uh, it is, has a different vibe because it's more about Amy Lee and it's more about um, a certain kind of time for the gemstones that is outside of this, 
some of the drama that will have led up to the flashback uh, episode. So I mean, yeah, we just we just um, I mean, we just had themes and wanted them to evolve and not feel the same, but um, but not evolve too much to the point where no one knows what's happening. You know, like right, they need right. to be like the same characters, even though the characters are changing. Yeah, and speaking of interlude episodes, the interlude episode, of course, for season one brought us the wonderful misbehaving which is uh, i think you know everyone my wife my brother we're all we're still like hummering it every now and then so i i know that you've talked about in the past kind of the creation of you work with danny and uh, Edie patterson to come up with a song but i'm just curious the genesis of the song the genesis of this song i'm sure it had to come before filming because they were, had to use it to shape you know it's diegetic it appears in the in the story so how did that come across and did you work on that before you even touched the score or did that how did that come in the process in the whole production process um, well, it was in the script, and so I knew that it was coming. I started writing some ideas for for the song, and then I got a, a voice memo from Edie that was um, recorded in a in a writer's room, I think, with he, with she and Danny, and it was her singing um, kind of like the first melody uh, and the the first verse um, of the song and some of the chorus, and so like she had she had sent this like kind of structured um, idea that I guess that she and Danny had kind of spitballed back and forth with in, in the writer's room. And so they recorded it and sent it to me. And uh, and it just kind of changed. It made everything very clear to me. Some of the stuff that I was working on was um, similar in, in vibe. We, we knew we wanted it to sound like the original song. We wanted it to sound like it was sort of a Carter family hit. So we knew like structurally and instrumentally what it would be. Um, but the, the melody that I was playing with um was a little was definitely different and so when i got hers i just kind of ran with it and just you know created put you know music behind it and then you know rearranged some things and um and wrote more lyrics and rounded it all out and a lot of the lyrics that i was working on kind of fit into this 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 idea once i got this um voice memo from Edie, and so i just sat down and kind of did it really fast it was very I mean, it's a very simple song. It kind of wrote itself. Um, and so I sent it back. This was all during, um, they were filming, but I want to say it was, you know, they, so, I mean, we weren't in post-production. So it, it was, you know, I was writing score, but it wasn't like heavy in the post. It was, um, right. you know, we were kind of concerned with getting the stuff on the on-screen music kind of handled before fine-tuning a lot of the score and post. Um, so. So I, so I recorded a demo of it and sent it to them and Danny was like, don't change a thing. And so we, we it all kind of happened really fast, like you know, less than a day. And um, and then we just recorded multiple versions of it. And Was it fun recording with Edie and, and, and Walton? How did, I mean, awesome. you, since you guys kind of cooked it up together and when you presented it to Walton, what was his reaction to it? He's such a great performer and he really embraced it. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody really enjoyed it once they heard it. You know, it was kind of confusing, I think, for the, for the crew, because once they performed the, the version where uh, Jennifer Nettles and um, Walton sing it, I think a lot of them were confused at this, why they didn't, why, why they couldn't find the song, because it felt like something that was already out there, but they didn't know what it was. Yeah, um, yeah I think everybody, I mean, I don't, I don't know specifically what Walton's thoughts were, but I think that, yeah, it was a ball of recording. It was fun because he, he had to do two versions of it. We did the version that where he sings it as, a, you know, in the 80s. And so he's like, you know, in his 40s performing the song. 
but then we have had to do another version where he performs it as the older 70 year old baby billy character so he um he did the one energetic version that would that would play in the flashback episode and then he had to kind of shift gears and do and perform it uh, with a with a different style and different energy um to kind of convey this 80 year old baby billy performing so that was a blast um, and the yeah, Ed is amazing, you know. It's it's all it's a very it's a very dreamy situation, you know. These guys like just some of these songs are so bananas they were coming up with, and everyone everyone's down for it. Everybody is like very energetic and um, you know happy to uh, try new things. Um, we're doing there's like a whole musical thing that'll happen at the end of this season that I can't give away, but it's like you know involves a lot of people, and it was hilarious recording like all these actors just i have so many outtakes of i would just get them to do it in different voices or like do it now do it like neil diamond now do it you know like uh, now whisper the whole song you know so we would just have all these like crazy versions um in the studio recording with these guys was a blast um so i mean yeah they're very easy and fun to work with <laughs> sounds amazing um I, but i do want that, that scene is so great too because it, even though it's happening and it's diegetic and it's the 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 flashback scene of course the um the one with a baby billy and and uh and uh, jennifer nettles but it's the way it works because you're cutting back to eli who's sitting on on the couch there and you know it's a kind of a, it has a melody you're aware of the family trauma that's happening but it works like in two layers i don't know if that was like intentional but like you're cutting back you feel the pain kind of happening behind the music as well but it's also this very cheery kind of earworm hook of a song i mean was that a happy accident or was that kind of intended i think it was always intended um you know we knew that you know it's baby billy's character is he's at a sort of a low, low place in, at that moment when he's performing that song and he's really um revel reveling in in the uh performance and, and but it's all about like his memories like it's you know he's kind of reliving the, his past in this way that's kind of uncomfortable and a little sad, um, but also joyful. Um, and then when he cuts to like present day and he's listening to the song by himself in the car and he's listening to his, when baby Billy is listening to his himself singing it as a child um, is is an interesting um, you know, scene. It's an interesting thing that happens, I think, for the show. And I can't, and I don't know, can't, I can't point to another moment of any kind of show or movie where something like that is done. Um, and it's, so it's, 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 you know, I'm super proud of all that, you know, because it, it, I do feel like we did something kind of, you know, unique and it was, um, we pulled it off and it wasn't um, super easy. Like all the on, the on-screen stuff, like getting it all, you know, cinched up in that sense was uh, challenging in a way. I mean, the, writing the song was easy, but we had to go out and record. We had to audition all these kids and we, um, you know, for the for the original version uh, with the children singing, so we had to audition kids and go out to LA and and record the kids. But then we had another version that was performed with Jennifer Nettles and Walton, and then we had another version that was performed with an older uh, baby Billy and and Edie's character. Um, so there's all these different versions uh, that have that play in different kind of different. It's like the it's like the soul of that season. You know, it's like this weird yeah. haunt, haunting soul of that kind of lingers throughout the whole season. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I think, yeah, it does. And I just loved to uh, recently, I think which episode it was maybe last week or the week before where, you know, Eli's just walking and he's just humming it to himself, you know, <laughs> it was yeah. a nice little, <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of those specifically those two shows, Vice Principals and uh, Gemstones, I love the intros and, uh, you know, nailing that main title intro 
short and sweet it seems to be the style that danny and jody go for the vice principals has the the drum line and the whole and the vocals and then gemstones just has that big chorus and kind of uh talk about nailing that in, in such a short time period did it take a lot of tries to figure out what would work and to kind of kind of bring the audience in and quickly get to the story well i think that well for gemstones that is i didn't write that that's a licensed thing that we oh okay got um I did, they, they, that got flown in early on. Um, I wrote some options for it, but nothing really ever beat that. We, you know, it was, it was always working so well and it was, um, so I couldn't beat it. Um, but the, uh, for vice principals, yeah, we had, um, you know, we knew we wanted it. I had a bunch of drum lines that I'd, I'd done various versions of, um, you know, this rushing galloping drum line with this, vo this vocal, uh, rise. Um, so, we had we had a few things to play with. There was some stuff tempt in, some like collegiate drumline stuff tempt in early on, and um, but I teamed up with um, a guy who who writes for uh, drumlines, and so that's all he does. He's like a drumline teacher and he, like he's, uh, writes music for programs across the country, and so he and I got together and collaborated for a lot of the drumline stuff for. Uh, for vice principals because drumline music is a little different than most uh written music and so so yeah i so we wrote a bunch of things and just recorded a bunch of things and i kind of edited some of the takes together for the gems for the uh, uh vice principals theme uh for the titles so it's like a mashup of like a couple of different takes and then i got the kids to do uh the vocal scream um, I got them to do that a couple of times and stacked it and make it sound really big and it turned out well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great. they want it. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to mess around with um, too much time on the credits. You know, they just want to get, get in and out and have it be really impactful. It helps also like the cold opens for the shows. It becomes a, um, you know, opportunity for comedy there because we can create a scene knowing that it's going to have some sort of smash to the main titles, which won't last long. It'll just be like, you know, in and out, but in theory, that's something that fans would look forward to, like how we're going to get out of the cold open and into the titles. So we play yeah. around with that stuff some. It's a, it's a great uh, kind of familiarity structure to it, kind of you already know you're in a place that you, you want to be in for sure. And I love the way all the shows kind of intro in. Um, uh, but kind of jumping out of the TV word, uh, TV world between Vice Principals and Gemstones, uh, you got to score The Legacy of a Whitetail Deer Hunter, which Jody uh, directed as well. Um, script from with Jody, Danny McBride, and John uh, Carcieri, who also did Last OG, which he did as well. Um, talk about scoring that feature. I think it's such an interesting kind of a story, kind of personal, intimate story. Um, and what was your approach musically for that? That one was interesting because it was, um, I got hired and then I got let go. And then they hired somebody else and that person got let go and then I got rehired. Um, oh, wow. So it was a... It was a weird, I mean, I, I feel like I scored that movie four different times. Um, so, I mean, it was, in the end, there was an idea that Jody had for guitars and making it more um, more like Eastbound and Down in a way, less, uh, what the, some of the ideas that were initially, initially pushed around were more thematic, you know, having um, more of a, you know, you know uh, more of a cinematic score, less like needle drop feeling. In the end, it needed to be needle drop feeling. Um, so... It just took a while to get to that and so they went yeah. through post was super weird on that and, and it, it yeah so we 
I wrote a bunch of stuff with Dobro and a band and like, you know, had all this like, like not country, but like acoustic music. And some of that's in there still, but uh, that got abandoned for this electronic stuff. And then that got kind of like abandoned for um, different genres almost. Uh, like the natural was in there, like, you know, more sweeping cinematic stuff. It was uh, kind of kind of all over the place in a, in a way. and But in the end, that kind of was what made it work in the same way that that works for um, Eastbound as well as Observer and Report, similar to that. Um, so it was kind of a unique experience for me. I kind of came back in and just wrote all this other, you know, wrote completely different music than I had written um, six months prior to, and that's what's in there. And so it's, uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fun, it was weird. <laughs> But it was, um, you know, I'm proud of it. It's, it's, um, it's a cool movie. Yeah. Does it ever get like awkward? Like if you're, you know, your guys are all friends and he's like, guy's not working. Joe, we got to like, let, let you go. Uh, it, wasn't, like... it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a Jody was, it was like more of a, you know, studio kind of decision. Oh, yeah. in a different direction. And so they went into a different direction and then that did, direction didn't work. So then they just, <laughs> they, that's it. Listen to your directors and listen. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of weird. It's the nature of the business for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it was kind of going kind of a little bit, sp speaking about your general approach overall, um, you really are, I think, like a master with sounds and textures and, and, and kind of offbeat instruments. Is there kind of a, a list of your top favorite, like non-traditional instruments that you love to work with or that you've tried in the past that really surprised you or anything? I mean, I have a love for synthesizers. Those are not unconventional anymore, though, mm -hmm. um, but I have a lot of them. And have a lot of modular synths that I make a lot of percussion sounds and a lot of unusual synthy noises. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, let me think. Well, I, I had this instrument called a ukulele, which is this, um, it's like a folk, an old folk instrument that has like, I don't know, 30 or 40 strings on it. They're all kind of like a harp, um, but, but th there's like a drone um, section but there are all these other, there's another level of strings that's slightly raised from this, the wood slab that it's on that you can, where you can tune these strings and you can't fret anything. It's just like this um, slab of wood with strings up and down on it. And you can, but you can, you bow it. Um, and so I put that all over gemstones. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of that kind of patty, um, you know, ethereal kind of texture that's, in there sometimes it sounds like violin sometimes it sounds like a synthesizer a lot of times that's this ukulele that um i'll just bow and just run it through tons of shimmering reverbs and delays <laughs> and stuff like that to make it kind of like bloom and get otherworldly sometimes it's you know toned down and it's just more of a simple uh, line but i mean you can't you can't like play it like a violin i mean you can't you know rip it you know like you can't go nuts on it. it's very like it's like slow but it just it's very weird and i found it online and bought it and it's been pretty useful i never i'd never heard of it before um yeah i also really love the omnicord <laughs> there's a lot of oh, omnicord yeah. in, uh, in the gemstones we got you'll see one character play it on screen at some point in the show but the um yeah i use that for this one character theme. So there's Omnicord all over the gemstone score. That's awesome. Uh, so to kind of wrap up, uh, I always love to ask composers this kind of one question. I know it's gonna vary from film to film or project to project, um, 
where does the first note come from for you? Where do, where do you gravitate towards when you start your process? Do you like to, you know, if you're on early to read the script, you wait for first, you know, cuts of a show or a movie and then, or you just like to sit and talk with the director and but what, what kind of generates that first idea for you? What, what generates the first musical idea? I guess that would um, certainly come from conversation with the director. Um, and it, it, it kind of depends, you know, like some jobs, there's time to explore and really, um, you know, get out of your element and do something that's maybe unconventional or start in a way that's not just sitting down in front of a piano and writing a melody. Um, sometimes you have to do that. And so um, it just kind of depends job to job. I think that it, but all it does start from yeah reading it and um, having some sort of creative brainstorm with you know conversation with um, the director producers that are you know in charge and and then hopefully there's you know common ground. A lot of times you know you get hired on something because of something that you've done in the past, and so you know sometimes I'll get asked to do something that's you know dark you know synthy sound like John Carpenter you know scary stuff, and so that makes it. That makes some of the you know gen you know genesis of the score you know conceiving the score in your brain it makes it makes the step already taken you know you already know you're going to need it to sound like a certain kind of synthy thing or you know if you if it's like I do the show upload that has a lot of piano and and very melodic and um, you know Greg Daniels who does that was very keen on melody and he wants he wants a lot of themes and so I would just sit down with piano and just write a bunch of themes without seeing some of it to picture um at least for season one and so and then we'd float them in to see what what works on the cut once it once we get cuts um it just kind of depends um sometimes there's there's a lot of time to explore and other times not and so you gotta kind of hit the ground running um i mean for these guys with gemstones and the roughhouse guys yeah there's a lot of i just i try to write as much as i can before post-production starts just so that can give editorial and in general i like to do that for jobs just to give editors music to play with so i don't have to listen to temp music and i don't have to think about you know other people's music when i'm trying to do something you know on my own and so in general that's i feel like something that i always try to do and i'm sure i'm not alone in that that's that's i mean i totally get that but when you're writing stuff before post, uh, what are you using as a kind of a template to, to write to? Are you just looking at, are you creating suites so that they can work with or just ideas like, and then you kind of maybe conform it later? Um, I mean, again, that kind of depends. Yeah, if there's a melody that I that I'm feel strongly about, I'll create versions of that melody. Mm. You know, like I'll do different, you know, I'll do a little suite of certain, you know, motifs. Um, or if there's like a percussion, with like a drum thing or some sort of percussive thing that that is that I've created and like I'll a lot of times like put a lot of melody different melodies over the same percussion so so there's like um, we can swap things out in and out um, I mean I usually I mean, I'm usually starting on a piano or a guitar and just kind of writing ideas down um, and I mean you know like I say like if there's they want something that's not, you know, if they want a synthy John Carpenter thing that I'm going to go to the prophet and make some, you know, weird pulsy, you know, drones, you know, but, uh, yeah. you know, but I also record a lot of those all the time. And so I have a lot of stuff that um, I can just kind of start by giving, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times I'll get, you know, with directors and 
you know, producers, they, they will have a certain kind of palette that they want. And a lot of times I'll have stuff already sitting around that they can play with to see if it works, you know? Um, so I kind of record everything that I do. Um, and so have, you know, be it piano or synthy stuff or guitar, um, just to never forget, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Joseph, I just, you know, I love your work and I love your style and, and uh, everything that you do with the, with the guys down in South Carolina or without them, you know, you, you've, I think you've established a unique sound for yourself and uh, I've been enjoying the journey of, of, of all your music and uh, it was such a pleasure to chat today. So thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy, but uh, yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.